Hey, it's Demi and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This week I chat with comedian and creator Jenny Tian. Jenny wasn't always a creative. Although Jenny had pursued creative passions as hobbies outside of the workplace, when she finished university she decided to take a consultancy job at a big four firm. Despite her career trajectory being on the up and up and externally it looking like Jenny was the epitome of having a successful career as a young millennial, she soon realized that the stress, mental strain and lifestyle imbalance she faced in that career really led her to reevaluate what she wanted out of life. She soon decided to quit that job and pursue a job that was going to give her enough money to survive and fulfill the lifestyle that she wanted, but also gave her the ability to switch off at the time that she wanted and give her flexibility to pursue her real passion, which was comedy, acting and creating. And how ultimately her new lifestyle decision led her to a life of balance and fulfillment. Even though she still isn't where she exactly wants to be, Jenny can see a much brighter future than before and is just a much happier person. Like all of my conversations, this is super real and talks about the full experience that you will have exploring your curiosities, trying something new, and also discovering hobbies later on in life, which is a really big topic in this conversation I have with Jenny. If you like this week's episode, please rate it on iTunes or wherever you listen to this. It just helps me get awesome guests like Jenny. We also have a new millennial conversations event coming up in the first week of July. So if you are in Melbourne, all the links to that are in the show notes. So please come along. Now that I've gotten all of that out of the way, let's jump straight into episode 51 of the podcast, choosing your mental health over external success. Hey, Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm very excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Before we jump into how I kind of found you, I start off the podcast with three of the same boring old questions that I like to get out of the way with in the beginning. And they are, what is your name, age, and what do you do or what are you known for? Uh, so my name is Jenny Tiad. I'm at 25, turning 26 in July. Uh, and I guess I'm known for, some people probably might've seen me on the TikTok for you page. Um, otherwise at stand-up comedy clubs all around Sydney. Um, and sometimes like just random things that like pop up on TV. So like, um, like SBS or maybe like an advert or something. Amazing. She's everywhere. (laughs) I love that. That's actually how I found you and asked you on the podcast. I saw this video of you on TikTok talking about how you were working this kind of corporate job and just kind of realized that it wasn't all maybe you had thought it was going to. You moved into pursuing something that kind of ignited you and that you really enjoyed. 
ignited. That's a fun word. I uh, yeah. So basically, I university during my final years, I applied for a grad position at um, one of the big four firms, and it was kind of just like everything that I wanted at the time. It's a very prestigious place, you know, like being a grad is an excellent opportunity. It was consulting, um, which is, you know, like fantastic. A lot of people really wanted to get into that. I did a lot of consulting competitions in my final year and it was kind of exactly where I wanted to be. And I was like, just so stoked to have any job at all. When I did graduate, I was like, oh my God, like I'll take anything at all. Like, (laughs) so um, yeah, it was pretty fantastic. And then working there, um, I think a lot of people have a narrative where um, they kind of hate their nine to five job straight away. I actually really enjoyed it when I um, was there. I I really threw myself into the work, but at the same time, I had also started um, just doing stand-up comedy around Sydney and started really enjoying that aspect and keeping that as a hobby kind of as the years went on and I did end up staying for like about two and a half years or so I just couldn't wrestle the two like I couldn't manage being in the crazy crazy world of consulting and also managed to keep my hobby alive which was stand up and slowly both of those were taking more and more of my time I was finding that I was just really stressed out and then eventually um, my mum was like hey do you want to actually work for me instead and I was like yeah okay cool I'll do that did a six-month career break, worked for my mum. It worked out really well. I realised that actually feeling this stressed out and overwhelmed all the time wasn't exactly how you're meant to be feeling. And a lot of the mentality around how I felt at that particular time was kind of a bit toxic. Leaving was definitely one of the better decisions that I've made in my life. I understand a lot of people that do stay and kind of do want to climb that career ladder as well. And, you know, good on them for going for it. First off, thank you for sharing that. And also thank you for saying that there's no one right way or another. Sometimes I literally just posted something on my Instagram stories. It was someone saying an unpopular opinion. If you're doing a nine to five, then that's okay. And I think now as millennials and Gen Z, sometimes we can see all the like entrepreneur hustle, like grow your own business, follow your passions and all that stuff. It's like sometimes people can or have a job that they could do both. Like let's say if you weren't in such a demanding job, you could have done both perhaps and that may have been right for you in another world right and I think it's really important to to showcase as well that there's no one right way yeah I agree I especially think with things that are creative a lot of people tend to think that oh I I have to make this my full-time thing like my creative whatever whether it's like you know music or acting or or stand-up and comedy um and I think equally as important is also being able to financially support yourself so that you're not relying on that creative thing to provide a hundred percent of your income otherwise you end up resenting whatever that creative thing is um and that's not a position you want to be in you don't want to be so stressed out and trying to find your next gig or whatever it is um, so that you can put food on your table. So I think it's really important that for the time being, while you are trying to make that creative thing or that entrepreneurial thing or whatever it is, a full-time income for yourself so you can support yourself, it's like totally fine to be working in a day job and to be working at a thing that you might not necessarily 100% enjoy so that you can actually do that thing that you want to do in the future and thinking of it long-term as well. Sometimes I think people confuse purpose with passion and like sometimes that 
nine to five or that part-time job, the purpose of it can be just to financially support yourself. So you have more time to do that creative endeavor or so you don't have that stress that doesn't allow you to be creative or whatever those elements are. I think it's, it's such an important part of all of this figuring stuff out your twenties, right? (laughs) Understanding those things. And like, I remember coming out of uni and going, oh my God, what job do I want? What do I want to do? And everyone was like, just find your passion. Just pursue whatever you're passionate about. And I'm like, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about nothing. I like like eating hot chips. Like that is what I'm passionate about. Like, oh my goodness. So yeah, it was really difficult trying to figure that out and having that pressure as well it's like I'm 21 I haven't tried anything in my life what am I going to want to do for the rest of my life this is so overwhelming but I think yeah it's okay to not be passionate about something and just to work on something that you like you know are just all right doing and then pursuing whatever it is that you want as well in your free time I think that's totally fine as well and I think also on that as well like when I started stand-up I wasn't like yeah this is my passion and I'm gonna do this forever like I still don't know whether it's what I want to do like long term I think a lot of people go oh I see you're doing stand-up and for some reason a lot of my friends have automatically assumed that now that's what I do full time and I'm like no actually I work a full day job still like (laughs) um, it's pretty hard to get to a stage where you're just doing that full time so yeah like I think it's fine not exactly knowing what you want to do I think a lot of people still don't know what they want to do and that's totally okay yeah I came to that conclusion I was like I don't think I'm ever gonna fully know what I want to do so let's just make a decision on what I'm enjoying right now (laughs) yeah I agree yeah yeah now you made a really good point earlier when you were talking about your time at the the corporate job that you had and you were saying how when you left you took a bit of a break and you didn't realize that life wasn't or things weren't supposed to be that stressful you weren't supposed to feel like that and I hear that story so often about until you're really removed from it Mm. you don't realize how you're not supposed to feel these ways all the time like I had a friend we I interviewed him and he was saying how he actually started being able to sleep and he didn't have all this anxiety that he thought he didn't understand where it was coming from. He's like, why do I feel anxious 24 seven? I'm so confused. My life's good. There's nothing wrong. Um, He was getting that external validation from everyone being like, you've got an amazing job. You're making great money. You've got you this, you've got that. Like everything's great. You shouldn't be feeling anything. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like an emotionally abusive relationship. Um (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's so closely correlated whenever I speak about like toxic work environments and stuff like that it it's so similar sounding to toxic relationships that people come out of because you're blinded by the ones like love and the others like maybe validation of like yeah yeah exactly yeah I definitely had the same thing like because I was a grad like I had you know just got into the company I'd never worked another job before so I just thought this is just what work is supposed to be like and it was very like because so much of it involved also kind of like you know, staying back and also like going out for drinks as well. And there were so many other aspects that involved, like just having your life kind of consumed by that environment. It wasn't just about, you know, being there during those working hours. It was also like 
kind of like the way you do like extracurricular activities at university. Like there's so many other events that are on that make you want to kind of like stay back at work. And then also, um, I guess, like fit into that work culture. And because I was working in the digital team, for the most part, we were all pretty young and we had nothing going on in our lives. So we kind of just stayed back (laughs) um, and did like whatever it was. And it was also fun, like, you know, staying out for drinks and going to all the like parties and stuff um, and then mingling around and whatever and then like coming back to work with like stories that you want to share with other people and like all the gossip that you've heard or you know whatever it is so it was it was like that was great to stay in that environment and then at the same time while I was on projects it was just like so a hundred percent like high intensity because as often with consulting things would get oversold so that you know the estimated amount of work wasn't matched up with the actual amount of work you were doing you would always be doing more work than initially what was estimated so you were pulling all these long hours and then also because I was working um, at like a big four firm they were like well um, it's got to be to our standard um, and it's got to be like high quality so you'd just be spending hours and hours on like Jira and PowerPoint trying to make things beautiful when really you could get it across quite quickly to the client um, in a shorter amount of time. Yeah, that's kind of just like the standard that they wanted. Toward the end when it was like really, really bad, I was really like waking up like way later than I should have been because I was put into sort of like a position of a leader on the project where because I was leading the project, I could kind of like get away with doing whatever. I was waking up later hours, rocking up to work at like 11am, just super, super sad. It was like a very dark time in my life. Um, And then I didn't care about the outcome. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care whether the client was happy anymore. Um, And like, I just felt like I was super alone and no one else around me would be able to understand the position that I was in. Um, because I was also leading that particular project um, at the time. And just I just felt like absolutely no one would get it. And yeah, it, it wasn't true at the time. Like there were plenty of people I probably could have spoken to. Um, but yeah, that's kind of just like how it ended up. And then after about, you know, a week or two of that, I was like, this is not normal. <laughs> I shouldn't be feeling like like this. And then when I got out of it and finally took my career break, I was like, oh, wait, the whole thing wasn't normal. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just kind of how I realised. Yeah, it, it's amazing that it didn't, like it took you that short amount of time to come to that conclusion because I see so many people that live and stay in that particular state like that zomb- that corporate zombie state like I yeah. kind of refer to it as people glide through in that mode all the time it's amazing that you that you came to that realization so yeah so so quickly and also that you had that like love for yourself to be like hey hold on like I'm not really happy and I need to do something about this which is which is incredible so congrats on congrats on even saying like I need a break (laughs) yeah I think like I had also and I think a lot of people as well feel that way for like a really long time I was chatting to a friend about this who was also at the same place I was and he had sort of said that it's about the decision that you make to leave takes about between that and you actually being able to leave like a whole year. Mm -hmm. So the moment you think, oh, I should leave. 
that you have that and then it stays with you for a while because you convince yourself maybe it is all right and then the job search starts and then that takes a really long time like I think a lot of people underestimate how long it takes to find a new job like interviewing at different places tidying up your resume and then when you're at a really like stressful sort of job you don't have time to go home and tidy up your resume it takes a really really long time and then um you know going to different places for interviews and then like finally getting that job offer negotiating your salary figuring out a start time that whole thing you should estimate like a year for that type of process so I feel like I don't know to anyone who's listening that moment you feel that inclination where you're like oh my god I'm really unhappy start looking for stuff now because yeah it takes a really long time yeah no thank thank you for saying that as well because it is so true there was one thing that you also mentioned about and and I I've experienced this and I've spoken to a lot of people that have experienced this as well it's those signs of this isn't right for me and it might not be your mind that's telling you sometimes it's your body that's telling you and it's that you wake up late you physically can't get up in the morning like to get up for work like I would find in the beginning I would get up I would wear cool work outfits I would go like I was excited and all of this stuff and then as the months went on it was like oh my hair was greasy pulled back no makeup on like the people at work would be like oh you look yeah Um, yeah yeah, it's an interesting (laughs) look you're doing today I'd grab whatever out of the cupboard It'd be like five minutes before I had to leave. I'd wake up, like rock up late. It wouldn't matter. It's almost like you're wanting someone else to fire you because you can't do it yourself as well Mm. or your body's just being like, this isn't right. Yeah, that's (laughs) so interesting as well that you talk about that aspect of like self-care that we all go into work with. Um, I think if you find that either you're not having the time to take care of yourself or, um, you know, you just can't feel like the motivation to do it, then something is up. But also I'm like, just kind of like a lazy person. So I never <laughs> wore like makeup to work or anything. I just wore like Stan Smith's all the time. Cause you know, that was cool. But yeah, I think like, um, I know like everyone in their twenties talks about it now and it's like all over Instagram and whatever. And it's a bit like people talk about it, I guess, almost ironically now, at least in the comedy scene, but self-care is actually like super, super um, important as well. Um, And if you're not doing that, then also how can you have a productive day at work and how can you have like that output as well? And, you know, me for like myself too, just found that, even when it came to things like sick days and sick leave and like annual leave, I never, ever, ever used my sick leave. I, it would be working from home. Like we get, I didn't even know we got two weeks of sick leave. A year. I didn't know that was an employee entitlement because I never took those two weeks ever. Yeah. I would just be at home going, yeah, I can work while I'm sick on my laptop. Like, I don't think I ever had a day where I was like, I'm completely down and I can't work. Like I just felt like if I I was ever away or even working from home, then that would mean I was letting the whole team down. Like that's kind of the stage where, you know, they would lead you to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, I guess I felt like I would be letting my team down because um I wasn't like physically there um, and they were all really stressed out. um, And then there were aspects of me that they were relying on me for. um, So I just felt like I could never be away. Um, So yeah, there was that aspect too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's such a like cultural issue in so many 
aspects it's like again it ties so well into that like self-care element thing and I was very much like when people would talk about self-care I'd be like but I fucking hate like massages and facials and like that all of that kind of stuff and what it really throughout the podcast and talking to a lot of millennials and doing a lot of research into all of this kind of stuff it made me really realize that like there's two really important things one understanding you and what like everything means to you. What does work mean to you? And what does that look like? What does self-care mean to you? And what does that look like? Like, cause it all looks different to everyone. And like you were saying, when you get ready, you're like, oh, I'm a lazy person. It's not that you're a lazy person, but like when you compare your idea of getting ready to someone else's, you both look totally different because you've got a certain style, they've got a certain style. And that's why it's so important for us to like understand what our stuff is. Cause otherwise we get stuck in that, Oh, I must be doing something wrong because mm-hmm. theirs looks different to mine. And it's the same mm-hmm. with that self-care element stuff. And if you had known that like, Oh, I know that if I stay home and be sick, my productivity level for the week is going to be at 50%. Whereas if I take this one sick day, I know I'll be able to perform at that 90% rate for the rest of the week. And I'll probably get more done on the project with my team than, than what it was before. But that culture that we're around, it's that pressure cooker. It's that now it's that instant kind of lifestyle stuff. And I guess that's a combination of the digital age and also these cult these work cultures that make us feel like we can't you know yeah and I think what you said as well just then about like putting a number as well against you as well that also really like drives you within the company to you know just like do and give more like for us we had a thing um called like utilization which you know I'm sure a lot of places have as well where pretty much if you weren't at 90% utilization it's like what are you doing here (laughs) so you always had to strive for being at 90% at least utilization and a lot of people were on over a hundred percent utilization so they would be working overtime but yeah I was probably around like on like 95% utilization. Um, and that's also the metric they would discuss for like promotions and like raises and stuff as well. And they would have a round table where they discussed promotions and raises twice every year. So at the back of your mind, you're kind of just like always thinking about like, oh my God, what's my utilization? What's my utilization? I hope it's good. I hope it's good. And they also had another metric as well called like BD, which is like business development, um, which is, I guess, sort of what I was speaking about earlier, like the extracurricular activities that you would have to do to keep up with work as well. You had to have at least like basically the ideal percentage was like 90% utilization, 10% BD. Um, but for everyone pretty much, cause that was the minimum, they would always go above that. Mm-hmm. So again, just kind of like putting in extra hours, working in overtime, taking work back home um, so that you could like meet those metrics as well. And just like having a metric against yourself as well, just like doesn't make you feel very valued as a human being in general. It's uh... It, it, it concerns me so much like workplaces like this and it's it's so many right but it's the fact that you're fresh out of university you're a fresh student you don't know what what the workplace is like in general right there's so many things that we're not taught in school like how to construct an email properly like email mm. etiquette like how to speak in the office circling back you know all yeah. that bullshit yeah. that like you say when you are in the office we don't learn about but then like 
to be put in that position where you're given a certain number, you're compared against other people even more. Like it's just like, again, not knowing who you are at that age as well and then having all of your self-worth like entangled in work because that is 80% of your life at the time if you're working these hours it's it's impossible for that not to affect your mental health, your self-work, your self-confidence, your yeah. like just every other aspect of your life. And you start again, similar to like a toxic relationship where people like lose their confidence and don't understand or can't see things clearly and stuff like that. It's a similar thing. You're just, you just become like, they just break you down one yeah, they do. time at a time. It's so crazy. And they feed you with some free drinks on a couple yeah. of weeks and you're like, oh my it's God, so my true. Goodness, this is amazing. Oh my God, that's <laughs> There's a ping pong table that we don't use at all. Uh, that's so true. No, we no, had the ping pong tables as well. That, again, yeah. no one ever no. used. Yeah, because like, that's like, not, it's not allowed. It's like, if you're using it, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you're it's not like, on your 90%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or oh, what am I paying you for to play ping pong? No, get back to work like everyone else. Um, no, yeah, that you're yeah, so accurate. Like, um, and they love taking in grads because they're so young and they don't know anything and they're so impressionable. And it's just so easy to take people on that are just willing to like, they're young and they want to throw themselves into the work. And because they don't have any aspects any other things in their life going on for them like they don't have like a family or a partner the way you know a lot of I guess like older people would do in their like later like 20s and 30s and stuff or older you can just give them heaps of work and then they'll do it for really really cheap because they're like oh my god I'm just happy to be at this company and like being at this company means that you know I will have you know this name on my resume and you know like literally you'd just get thrown into like whatever projects would be suitable and you'd be given like again I was a grad and I was in the position of like at least like a senior consultant or a manager at one stage and it was overwhelming and it's just a super sink or swim mentality where it's just like let's chuck them in there see how they do because we don't have anyone else at the moment yeah I just think being as a, a grad as well there are lots of places that do do like great things for grads but at the same time, um, yeah, it's totally easy to get exploited as well when you're in that situation. I think I remember when I was like fresh out of out of uni and looking for work and stuff, I remember saying all the time, like, I can't find anywhere that I like. And I'm just, I want to work 24-7. Like mm. I want to, I just want to find a place that I love and work 24-7. Like that was my goal. I think in the the business that I worked at, which I was super lucky to, to work in this place because my manager was just like, no, 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 that's not how <laughs> things go. Like you need a life. Yeah. And I remember saying to him like, oh, you know, I want to work four days a week. But in those four days, like I'm happy to work like early morning to late night. Like it's not a thing here goes on he's like that's okay like you'll work your normal nine to five you will get the work done in that time yeah oh that's great and I love managers like that as well that are able to speak up and go look it's Friday 4 p.m go home yeah yeah um I definitely started out with that exact same mentality I think a lot of people do and like all your friends are doing it and you've seen it on tv and stuff like suits and whatever so you're like oh my god yes I'm gonna throw myself into my work because work is important 
and then you actually like you, you do it for a bit but also it's really important like work-life balance is like so 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 important and great if you want to do you know if you want to like throw yourself into your work and you want to pursue that lifestyle for you know a year or two whatever and there's some people that keep continuing to do that but also um, just take care of yourself I still know people that continue to do that and have stayed at the same company and look good on them like if work is their thing and that's what they want to do like and that's what they're passionate about then like that's really um fantastic um but if um you're feeling like it's not it for you then that's also okay at the same time and there are like I am also like you know, while I'm saying like, oh, it's a toxic work environment, I also had so many amazing managers and mentors along the way with me that did work there. And like, you know, being at a fast paced environment like that, I worked with so many people that was just like so exceptional and excellent at what they did. And I have learned all of those skills and carried that on with me even today like even in stand-up and like comedy and stuff like dealing with like a lot of like different relationships and stuff um you know I've applied a lot of those like kind of skills to um so I am so thankful to the people that um I have worked with um and to all those managers that were like hey you look a little bit stressed out um just go home or whatever I, I want to get into the how you kind of got into the comedy stuff. But before before that, I, I have a question. When you did that transition, right, where you started working for your mum and pursuing comedy more, or just giving it more time, right, was it hard for you to get out of that hustle kind of 90%, 95% productivity mindset that you were in? Was that switch easy for you or did you find yourself trying to still do that stuff maybe it was in comedy you were saying oh, I need to send this many emails out to these many places mm. or at your mum's work you I know the work is totally different but did you find yourself finding it hard to like unlearn those ways of working I think just I mean I think I've always kind of been a little bit of a workaholic <laughs> <laughs> like even like when it came to like high school and uni and stuff, like I was always like, you know, like studying till the very like last minute, like doing assignments all the way till like 2am and stuff. It was always at the last minute, mind you, I was always <laughs> grabbing, but I was still like always like committing and giving it so much. So I think that aspect of myself has been ingrained within me from quite a young age um because also I am ethnic as well so like just like working <laughs> it's different. yeah yeah it's just just part of me I can't I can never make that go away and then obviously being in an environment where I was in like consulting as well and a big four just brought out more of those aspects of me and I guess like switching to what I work now you know while it is for my mum it is still a really intense job at times and it does require a hundred percent of my full attention I guess because my mum is like the primary owner um people kind of look to me as well as an owner as well and to make decisions so I do actually have to be quite switched on but what's different about this place is that I'm able to finish you know 6 p.m I am done I get to go home and I don't have to think about it most days and like sometimes there might be days where you know I am required to do something at the last minute and and I'm called in but nowhere near as much as when I was working in like consulting and I guess on the other days as well I 
am able to really like throw myself into like comedy and stuff and do all those extra other things that I wanted to do as well. Being able to make TikTok videos, which I know people are like, oh, it's a 10 second video. And it's like, no, but it does take time to like think about it and like write it and like kind of get a little bit of a semblance of an idea of what I want to say and then to like film it um, and then edit it as well um, and then like upload it at the time in which there's the most traffic as well. Um, All of that does take a fair bit of time. Um, and you got to keep uploading consistently as well and keep making content at a pretty frequent rate. Um, otherwise, your followers kind of go, hey, what's going on? And then they unfollow you and then you start losing people. Um, so TikTok is a fair bit of work, actually. Um, and then like stand up, I gig at least three times a week. Um, that's just like a metric that I have for myself. Otherwise, you just start losing the skill of it. Um, it's it's so it's such a hard thing to do like I have so much respect for anyone and everyone who does it but I also you know make a point to write as well as frequently as I can so it's a lot of like other aspects that you know I can like throw myself into and I definitely still work I would say I work quite hard um, on the creative side of things as well Um, and if I did have more time then there's definitely aspects that I could continue working really 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 hard on yeah do you find it hard to switch if you you have set days at your mum's place right so Mm -hmm. you know that that is your work schedule and then to have the energy or motivation and push to do your other things those other days do you find it difficult to switch what's that energy like like for you to come home because I know like when you mentioned like about creating the TikToks and stuff like that it is a lot of work for those I think shorter videos are often more work than longer videos because you have to entertain people in that amount of time and there's a sort of framework right do you get home or do you have those other days and you're like I'm actually not feeling creative today I don't have any ideas but have to push through anything like that or is it it comes to you because it's what you love doing um, oh, it's, it definitely doesn't just come to me. <laughs> I definitely have to like work bit by bit at it. Yeah. I think definitely. So like Thursday is my day off from work. Like I work four days um, and Thursday is like my day where I go, okay, this is my day where I'm going to do creative stuff and I'm going to write and do comedy or whatever. But also on that day, I'm like, oh, it would be nice to sleep in (laughs) and just like stay in my bed and like watch stuff and just take it as a day off. And then I'll use like Saturday or whatever as my day. So yeah, motivation can be like so, so difficult, but also like I kind of set like little deadlines for myself as well um, in a way. Like for example, this year I had like Sydney comedy festival, which was my hour show. And it was like, oh, my God, that's literally I'm performing on this night, this night, this night. The show has to be ready. People have paid money to see this. So I had no excuses. I had to, like, just keep working. And, and like, you know, I just have, like, little projects for myself like that that I do. So, like, my next one that's coming up is I am doing, like, a residency with the Sydney Fringe. The work is due in, like, it's in September, but our residency is in June this month so I'm like ah I haven't done anything yeah I haven't written anything for these guys oh I have to do it so that's like I've just got like little like projects and stuff that I have like along the way that's what I use my Thursdays for and it is an actual deadline just like at an office job as well where I have to deliver something that's how I have my motivation as 
as well. But when it comes to things like, you know, a writing, for example, where things don't come to me, like, you know, naturally or instinctively, I've got a couple of ways to keep me motivated. I've got like, I listen to like other, you know, comedians or creatives or actors or, you know, whatever it is, sounds so corny, but I like listening to little bits of motivation from them. So like a commencement speeches at university, even (laughs) though I've graduated, like, you know, like it's been five years since I graduated, like I would listen to those or like interviews that they do. Um, And there's this like, literally, this is like four hour long interview that Ari Shafir has with like budding comedians where he gives advice and sometimes I go back to that and listen to him and I kind of use that to just remind myself and a lot of them go ideas don't come to me naturally I have to work at it every day and just keep writing consistently keep writing even if it's rubbish keep writing um and I just kind of remind myself of that um and then I I write as well um and you know if I don't come up with anything good or um it's a you know an unproductive day or whatever it's okay as long as I have actually done you know just a little bit of writing even if it wasn't funny because that really exercises that muscle in your brain so that you know when you do have a bit of downtime and you know you're eating something or you're having a shower something does come to your mind because you're in a mind frame where you're thinking about comedy and things that are funny um so yeah I think like just consistently working at it um, and doing those little bits of work um, is super, super helpful as well. I think in stand-up, it would surprise a lot of people to know that ideas for most comics don't just come like that. It's a lot of work and you'll hear comics going, oh man, I've been working on this bit for months because that's how long it takes to, you know, make something funny or like an idea that you think is funny that, you know, you just um, reckon is worth doing. you got to work on it like for ages. So, yeah. I think like one of the, my main kind of missions with, with the podcast is, was to be, to get people on that was super real about, their process and about the realities of doing anything right we have these ideas of like how things are supposed to do and then that comes with that like self-critique of ourselves being like well everyone else seems to be just sit there and ride or sit there yeah. and switch and all of that exactly. stuff and, and I, I the think reality with, is it doesn't yeah. happen for anyone a hundred percent and I think like with stand-up as well and with anything in entertainment Um, it's so easy to because there's so many people that have been successful to go oh that's the way to do it you're Mm. meant to have done this milestone and this milestone and this milestone by like these certain points Um, and you know you just get up on stage and you're just you just have a new bit and you're funny like that Um, and just like with you know like work and anything else everyone's journeys are really really different and the way people get there is also really really different as well um and there's no use like comparing yourself to like others in that regard you just figure out your own process and what works for you um and you don't need to worry about like what other people are doing as well in that regard um and I think it's it's so easy to be caught up with that in like um stand up and things that are creative and I see a lot of people that unfortunately just like kind of quit early on because they go well I guess this wasn't for me um and you don't realize that um a lot of the people that have actually done really well 
did do like really shitty open mics for years and years and years to get to a stage where one day they did get an opportunity that led them to wherever it is that they needed to be. Don't compare yourself to others, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I whenever I whenever I hear those stories of people just saying it's it's about showing up, right? It's about showing up and showing up consistently. I always like think of like that kind of gym analogy whereas like that high school kid who was like very skinny in school and then he grows up and he's like showing up at the gym every day and then he yeah. becomes like this big kind of buff guy but like four or five years later because he was consistent or like you know just going to the gym even if it's not a big workout you, you're still showing up you're still doing something it's becoming part of your routine and it's yeah. it's the same with anything right you just yeah I'm not a gym person but <laughs> so I don't know why that comes to mind but I feel like that's what you see all the time is those people yeah. talking in that way exactly like it is, it's um, important I, it's something that like um, I do acting classes as well and something yeah. my acting teacher amazing Ben Matthews everyone take his classes he's the best something that he says is master the process and the results will come mm-hmm. and um, he speaks a lot about how we're so focused on events in life like we're so focused on like for acting it's like winning an Oscar or like you know whatever it might be for people and we celebrate those and we focus so much on those um, and we forget about the process that was involved to get to that stage. Um, and if we kind of like focus on the process um, and look at people's process, like that's such an important part as well that I think people forget too. Um, they go, oh, you know, this person has gotten this thing. Like, um, let's say in regards to acting, it might be like a TV show or, you know, a role for um, this like big Netflix film or whatever it might be. Um Yes, that is true. But if you look like underneath the surface as well, um, they have done so much to get to that stage. And even when people blame things like, you know, bring like nepotism or whatever into it as well, it's like, okay, like, sure, yeah, they got that because of like this particular thing. Um, But also you spending all this time and energy thinking of them doing that is not helpful to you. What is it that you can work on and what is your process um, so that one day, um, you know, the results and the opportunities might come to you as well. So that that was a huge like mindset shift for me as well. Cause you know, coming from an ethnic background um, where my parents did compare me to like cousins and siblings and whatever, like people all the time, yeah, it, it, I guess I've, from a very young age, just it's been ingrained to me where it's like, oh, look at other people and what they're doing. What are they doing? And how can I be like them? Rather than kind of going, it's okay not to have those things um, at that time. Uh, well, at this particular time right now, I am on my own journey and where I'm at is okay. And be happy for the people who had the opportunities. That's great that they got, you know, a Netflix show or whatever it is that they did get. Yeah, celebrate with people. Be patient, you know be ready and when the opportunities do come you will be ready for them for sure and also like you mentioned like before about not using that energy on you but knowing that like sometimes the world's unfair and sometimes other things like other people get things and stuff like that and okay put that to the side for continue focusing on you you know like because it's uh, it's unproductive to there's no point putting any energy there. Like you mentioned, it's not. Yeah, um, and exactly. also the other thing that you said about like growing up a certain way and, and knowing this kind of comparison thing that might've been ingrained. It's like the other thing about our generation, it's like 
we now have the information to be able to unlearn the things that we were taught or the way we thought things were supposed to go. Um, Mm. And a lot of the process of your 20s and 30s is figuring that out, like unlearning those ways of, of things and adapting to, well, this is actually what my life looks like, even though it wasn't what I thought it was going to. Yeah, exactly. And like, I guess, um, cause a lot of my friends are also from ethnic backgrounds and had the same like upbringing as well. They were also kind of just like working corporate jobs and like, you know, going for like the big prestigious firms and like working really long, hard hours. Um, and then when I left to work for my mum, there was kind of like a lot of their like sort of like hidden judgment as well. And some friends that were like, oh, and now you just work like four days a week at like this place. And like, yeah, there was just like a bit of judgment as well that came along with that. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. But also I had to kind of just like tell myself on the inside, nope, I'm actually like way happier. And also like, look at you working those like really, really stressful hours at the job you're at. Like, is that making you happy? So yeah, like just, um, yeah, being from that background as well. Um, I guess it was a bit difficult to kind of like initially take a step out of that and go, no, I'm going to do something completely different. And sometimes I still, I still do have like thoughts in the back of my mind where I'm like, I could go back to consulting and I could just like, you know, like keep climbing that corporate ladder, like, you know, all that type of thing as well. I I just feel like what I'm doing right now is um, what would, I guess, provide me with more fulfillment as well. And I think like a lot of people, speak about like do what makes you happy do what makes you happy do what makes you happy and happiness is an emotion and emotions are fleeting and I think Mm -hmm. something else instead um that um is a a better way to frame it is um do something that fulfills you and provides you with fulfillment rather than happiness so if I am feeling like oh what am I doing what's the purpose of this I just go does this make me fulfilled and do I find a sense of fulfillment from this uh and the answer for me right now at least is yes so yeah that that makes me you know happy or whatever that means to people yeah it people always like when you hear those little interviews or those motivational things and all of that stuff they always talk about surrounding yourself with the right people and all of that kind of stuff and I think the, the reason, one of the reasons I started the millennial crisis was like that community element is I was surrounded by certain people who thought that things were supposed to go a certain way, which I used to think was right for me and then decided that's actually not the way I want to do things. And being able to find those people that have that same alignment in where they want to go and look at the four day week at being like, Oh my God, that's all. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you work four days, you know, yeah. versus the other judgment. Cause then you start feeling a bit crazy. You're like, well, am I, what, what am I? Do- yeah. They're- Are they right? Is it, you know, you always yeah. have those elements of self doubt. And whenever I have those elements, I'm like, who have I spoken to? Who have I been hanging out with at that time? Why am I doubting that? Or, you know, where is that kind of coming from? And making sure that you're always speaking to those people who are going on the same pathway as you. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the other pathway. It's just, you're not going to get advice from people or opinions from people that aren't you're not wanting to go on that same path. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's so important to surround yourself with people um, that like back themselves um, and 
kind of like get your pursuit and you know what you're doing as well and people that kind of like hustle in the same way I think is really important as well you know if you're a hustler and like go for stuff because I'm again surrounded by people that are kind of just like no this is the way to do things and you know what's good is being able to get to you know manager by the age of like you know 28 or you know whatever it is and then have kids and whatever and live like a very like sort of safe life um because that's what they've seen other people do as well um so yeah I think the the people that you surround yourself with are hugely influential because they're like your friends and when you're in your 20s those are like the some of the most important people in your life like they put that there's such a big like important like factor um and like the things that they say and I think the things that you hear around in your life as well so much subconsciously like influence like your own like mentality and stuff like I mean like me just like being in comedy and like seeing people like you know just like when they fully commit themselves to it and like getting the opportunities that they do and the mentality behind you know everything they do as well I think is just like so inspirational and then it also like drives you and influences you to do the same like in your own career so yeah friends super super important yeah there's before we we are getting unfortunately towards the end but before we get there there is there is one kind of question that I really wanted to ask and it's about like when you were in school and university and stuff did you have passions did you have hobbies in that time yeah I did um I actually um was obsessed with movies I loved film I loved cinema from a really young age um I would like stay up late watching movies without my parents knowing at like 1am in the morning and then be like super exhausted for school and then not not able to concentrate take a nap watch another movie so super super obsessed with film I thought that's what I wanted to do like for the rest of my life you know went to university and uh, you know I did do a commerce degree but I also did an arts degree where I majored in film studies and you know really enjoyed it at uni I was like oh my god this is so good I just get to watch movies and then I actually went on a film set and I was like oh my goodness this is such hard work this is so intense this is so stressful it feels like you're putting on if you've ever put on like a party before like a 21st for example and you're like just like arranging everything and just like hoping everything goes well and there's so many little things that could go wrong that is a film set every single day there's so many things that could go wrong so it was just like it was just like too much for me it was so technical like the production aspect of things I was like ah I don't like this and then I realized I wasn't into film and then I was like oh my god now I'm like that boring person that has to do an office job and then that's when I threw myself into like consulting a bit more and realized that hey I actually do really enjoy this so um, I did have something creative um, that I wanted to do that I, I lost a passion for and that I didn't want to do. And also that is okay to not be into the thing that, you know, you want to do. Cause at the same time, like I was telling myself like, Oh my God, I'm just going to be a corporate slave. I'm going to be so boring. I've got no personality. Um, yeah. So um, I think it's okay. But now I'm kind of like swinging back around into like that film yeah. side of things um, with like doing like sketches and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like all over the place, but that's fine. Yeah. No, I, I love that you had this passion and then you realise maybe that's not like I don't want to make it my career thing, but mm. now you're in a different element of it, right? It's still that yeah. creative space. So then from there, how did the comedy stuff come up? How I got into it was, well, with film, I was so like, 
I felt like such a sense of shame for losing a passion that was like so like creative I guess Mm. that I really really turned my back on film and like really just like stopped watching movies um for a while yeah I still kind of like I'm not that into it, but I'm slowly getting back into it because I just watch it with such an analytical lens as well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't stop the analysis. Um, And then basically how I got into stand-up was the, uh, I guess, longer story was that I did a theatre course um, at university, didn't do any theatre, hated theatre. I just (laughs) did it as an elective because I was like very like, you know, academically I could like kind of write kind of well Um, and it was like a theoretical theatre course but there was this one practical component where we had to do a performance of some sort I was paired up with like a law student another commerce student a journalism student meanwhile everyone else in the class was like super creative and good dance and thing and whatever so because we had no skills or talent we did stand-up comedy we wrote a couple of jokes and we ended up doing so well like we annihilated (laughs) and that means doing well annihilate means we did very well that's like a crush when you're killing it means you're doing well and looking back they were terrible jokes they were so bad like just hacky like disgusting like dirty humor like grotty and then I kind of like had always been into stand-up I'd always listened to heaps of stand-up like um and on podcasts they always go you know what if you're into it just do it there's no shortcuts to it like just you have to go on stage stage time is really important and in the back of my mind I kind of like told these little like stories to myself like no I could just like write little jokes to myself many years and then get good at stand-up that way just by writing jokes by myself at home and then before I started my job you know working in a a corporate place from what I knew was going to be many years I was like you know what bucket list item I'm just going to go to an open mic so I went to an open mic bombed for like two minutes straight and then I, I I did like one joke at the end that got like one laugh and I was like, oh my God, this feels so good. <laughs> and then I just like, I was like chasing that laugh again and I had to go back. It was like an addiction. Like it's like that feeling where you're talking in a, a group of friends and then you say something funny and everyone laughs and you're like, oh my God, yes, I am funny. Oh, it feels so good. And then I just like had to go back after that. And I kept going back and back to that same open mic every week and then slowly started meeting other comedians who were like, you know, there's like other mics around. It's not just like this one. And then started gigging like three times a week and then just like kept doing it after that. And then here I am like four and a half years later. Wild. That's so, uh, I think like it's, one, I think it's really interesting the, how you mentioned that you had a lot of shame about not having that creative career because I think it's a really interesting concept because I think a lot of people have shame about not having hobbies or not having passions they're like oh what's wrong with me I haven't but it takes a lot to explore something new right and Mm -hmm. the reason I really wanted to ask how you got into comedy was because I think again if you don't do something from primary school or high school or you find something in university people are like well I can't be an adult and and find a hobby or a passion or something I can do outside of work. Like that's that's weird, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on was to to get that story and see like, okay, how did you find that? And it's not strange to find something that you want to do outside of work that you know you get that high from essentially right yeah, and exactly. you want to chase it and it might not come from the first thing you do it might mm-hmm. come from the second third fourth fifth thing you do but exactly. that's the whole idea that you try all these things until you find something where you're like 
I'm kind of low-key addicted to this. I don't know if it's a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing, but yeah. I am getting energized from this and I don't know why. Yeah, exactly. I think it's also like cool to kind of, I guess how I also got into it. It's just like looking at the things in my life that I was already interested in. And I was always like obsessed with stand-up and didn't realize it. And for some reason, didn't think that I could do it because um, I only knew in my circle one other person who did stand-up and he was a law student, super confident, charming, and I was like, all right, that's what a comedian is supposed to be. It's meant to be a good-looking straight white dude that's super, super confident and is smart and does law. And I'm like, well, that's not me. So uh, who am I to think that I could get up on stage and entertain people? Mm. Um so, yeah, sometimes um, the little things that you tell yourself aren't necessarily true either. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great point. Um, amazing. Well, I thank you so much for, for sharing your story. I think it's been, it's been really nice to, to have you on and, and for you to be so open in, in your discoveries of where you are and the pursuit of, you know, just doing things that fulfill you, right? Yeah. Which is what it is. And I know you mentioned in our call before the podcast in saying like, yeah, I'm working for my mum now. I'm liking that. It's it's working really well, but I don't know what's going to happen in the future and all of that stuff. And mm. for us all to be like cool with that again, like where we are and if we're just happy now with where we are, then that's not even happy just content fulfilled in where we are now yeah. you know um that's all that matters so I have three questions that I ask everyone at the end of each podcast the first question I have for you is what is the first small step you took to get to where you are right now I guess for me it was a giant leap which was just walking up at an open mic <laughs> <laughs> which is um I yeah it's 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 not a it's it's in the grand scheme of like you know where I am now that was a really small step like yeah. going to an open mic where there's only like 10 people watching at some random bar on a Wednesday evening now looking back is a st- small step but it feels like a very big step so I guess that was kind of like the first step that I sort of took that like launched off everything else and I guess for that I don't know sometimes when things feel like they're really really big again something my acting teacher says is uh, when there is like a chasm or a space jump it's not as far as you think and when you did that sorry I I want to dive into that one sec but when you did that do you just go with the intention of watching or did you go to do um, the stuff that you had written Oh, that's a great question. I forgot I actually did that. Um, no, the small step I took, I'm going to I'm gonna re-answer that question, is I went to watch it at an open mic. Okay, cool. So I watched for one week and then there were some people that were really amazing and there were some people that were clearly, it was like their first or second time doing it. Yeah. And I was like, like, you know, obviously I, I didn't compare myself to the people that had been doing it for clearly a while. I looked at the people that were kind of new and I was like, you know what, I could probably do something similar like at least kind of like on the same level or something like you just have to get up on stage and you don't have to do a full four minutes you can just jump up for 30 seconds and then you know pop back off yeah um watching yes was very helpful because then it uh I guess manifested and made me realize you know 
like when you see that thing in front of you, I just think it makes it so much um, clearer, like, you know, the possibilities and what you can do. Sometimes you kind of like need to see it. I know exactly for myself, like for me, a lot of people are like, oh, Jenny does comedy. And now some of the people like my circle of friends are like, oh, cool, maybe I could do it as well. Because you see it and you know that that's a possibility and a thing that you can do. So yeah, visiting the, the possibility of that, yes, was very important before kind of just like plunging in and doing it myself. Yeah. And did you go, when you first went, did you go on your own or was that with other people? Yeah. I, I went all alone. I was so. <laughs> I love that. That's what I was yeah. hoping you were going to say that. Cause I was like, that's what I keep pushing to everyone. I was like, just do shit on your own. It's so oh, important. It's the it's worst so thing important. ever. It's so yeah. uncomfortable, but it's so yeah. important. Yeah. And like, I was so like, um, I guess like in my mind, I, I felt so ashamed that like an embarrassed, like stand up was a thing that I wanted to try. Cause again, it's like that dorky thing where it's like, who are you to think you could just entertain a room full of people? Like, who do you think you are? You think your thoughts are that impressive? Really? Um, So I didn't want anyone to know that I was interested. I'm not a funny person, like off stage. Like I don't really like make jokes, like in conversations. I don't riff like, you know, I'm really like an introvert where I kind of just like among my circle of friends, I just like stand and I'm very happy listening to people and like not saying too much. So yeah, um, me going, I didn't want anyone to know. And when I did perform for the first time, I used like a fake stage name because I didn't want anyone to know it was going to be me. And then I actually continued with that name for like a year and a half. People still call me like in the stand-ups and sometimes still call me that. It was, it was not even a creative thing. It was just my initials. It was JT. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And then it took a really long time for me actually, like, yeah, basically like a year and a half um, for me to sort of finally start sharing with my friends that I was doing stand-up comedy because I was just like so I guess for some reason cared so much about what they were going to think of me doing it which in hindsight is silly a lot of them did still kind of go you stand up what are you are you funny are you any good (laughs) yeah I've been doing it for a year fuck off yeah yeah exactly um I've been doing it for a while now um I wouldn't continue if I was rubbish at it um Uh, yeah. But even if you were and you enjoyed it, who gives a fuck? Exactly. Who cares? Just yeah. keep doing it anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. Um, I am like very much like even if you suck at something, if you enjoy it, I don't get I don't care. Like do it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which is probably like, I don't know, maybe not the right way, but I don't care. <laughs> um the next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privileged problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health or well-being. I'm going to give a real generic answer because it's just on the top of um, my head. Uh, I just think, uh, okay, in terms of like privilege, just like more time to sleep, <laughs> more time to like sleep in and stuff. Um, I, I love sleep. It's the best. Um, so yeah, probably that. And just like more like time um, in general, because I think like as a millennial, there's like so many things that we have our hands in and like so many things that we want to do. Like we want to hang out with our friends and have brunch and take beautiful photos of our brunch and tell all our friends to try this cafe. Um, and we also want to, um, you know, like do like, like different hobbies, like rock climbing and whatever it is. And we also want to like hustle at work and like do well at work and, you know, 
throw ourselves into our careers and then also like date and like find ourselves in a relationship and you know fulfill ourselves with that so I think there's just like so many things that um we all want to try and we want to have more time and I know everyone says that they want to have more time but um yeah that's kind of just um the feels that I'm feeling right now no that's a great millennial crisis and the final question I have for you is what is one thing you still want to explore or are curious about Ooh, let's see. That's a good question. I think a year ago that probably for me would have been acting. Um, I think for me now, um, maybe sketch comedy, I think would be it for me. I saw someone do like a sketch and I've never seen sketch before. Like, cause um, I don't know, I'm a stand-up and a I guess like stand-ups only ever watch stand-up and they're like, oh, anything that's not stand-up is below me. <laughs> Stupid. What a ridiculous mindset. Um, I, I, I watched someone do like a sketch um, show the other day. Uh, it's Molly McCran actually is her name. She's also on TikTok. I think her TikTok is like Mologa or something. Um, anyway, if you type in Molly McCran, you'll find her. She's so funny. So uh, yeah, prob- probably that. I love it. And you know what I I also love about like getting into and exploring like comedy scene from the start for you, it's that it seems to have snowballed into all of these other avenues for you as well. Like, you know, the acting, the TikTok creative stuff, the now like interested in sketch comedy, like it's what happens once you open one door. It's funny how like all of these other doors suddenly open. You're like, whoa, I don't have enough time at one point yeah. you have too much time. And then you're like, yeah. I don't have enough time. And yeah. how do I fit it all in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's really cool. It's like seeing um, all the other different aspects to like comedy as well. Cause I think a lot of people just go, Oh, stand up. That's comedy. But there's actually like so many other things. Like there's like improv um, sketch. There's like the writing aspects of it as well um that I, I guess people don't realize um there's like roast battles that you can do um there's little like one-liner things that you can do like oh there's just like so much that um is within like that one particular art form and I think that applies to like so many other disciplines as well yeah I love it I love that that's amazing now you have a challenge for everyone um, I do to do yeah do you yeah. want to let everyone know what you you want them to to get done this week or in the next yeah. couple of weeks yeah this is something that I saw on um someone's TikTok his name is Abraham and he's um, a painter but also like just a real philosophical dude, um, super cool American guy. Um, and he had a challenge that I'm going to share with you guys because I think it's um, it's, it's a fun one, um, which is to try and be wild, which I know sounds really odd, but basically um, you can be wild in so many different aspects of your life. So it could be like in like cooking, for example, you could try like a different recipe and really like impress people with um, something like new and bold that um, you've tried. Um, or it could be in something else. Like for me, it would be like stand up. Maybe I'm going to try a prop this this time when I go up on stage. I don't know. Um, so be wild for, um, you know, just for like two hours at one stage, um, you know, during your week um, and just like see what happens. I love that. No, that that is awesome. And I think, like you said, people can do that so many ways. Like if you're dressing different for the day, if yeah. you're 
speaking to someone that you normally wouldn't, whatever it is, I think that's that's a really awesome challenge. I love that. And I can't wait to hear how people go with that. So if you do give it a go, please let me know and let Jenny know as well. So the best place to find Jenny or let her know is my TikTok is at nom nom Jenny. My Instagram is at underscore Jenny Tian. Awesome. I'll link all of those below. But thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing your story today. It's been an awesome conversation. I feel like we could have continued this for another hour. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. But, Thanks for having me. But, but it was awesome. And and do check out her stuff. Like I said, her, her TikTok, I've been loving all of the videos and content that you've been posting there. Oh. I think it's awesome. And if you're in Sydney, go to one of her shows. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, Debbie. Amazing.